um, peace and boldness over my faith, that it will be God with those things that you've given him to say. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Very gentle. I tried. I did try. Um, I'm not as trendy as I used to be, sadly. Um, <laughs> a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very simple. Give me a second if that's alright. Just one, one second. And we'll be. Of love and relationship 
which is true of really all the complexes, but especially you can see that here in terms of the love that Jesus Christ has for us. And um, you know, last time I was talking about Jesus being appreciation for our sins and our advocate. Um, Graham spoke about um, God's love being perfected in us through the new old commandment, if you will. Um, and Dean spoke actually last time I was here about um, relationship, fathers, sons, and that love there. And you can see John repeatedly mentioning about um, referring to the different letter as children as well. So it's those two themes of uh, you're either in or you're out. And also the theme of relationship and love. And I feel like in these couple of verses that I've been asked to focus on today, those things kind of crashing together really in terms of um, being in or out and what and what is different about the love of God and the love of the Father compared to the love of the world. And I think I mentioned that first thing of contrast, and I think that comes through really kind of powerfully through those initial words of do not. Um, and it, it's kind of like, a, it kind of hits you like a, a bit of a warmth, doesn't it, like that do not. Because you had kind of like the, the high from when Dean was last speaking in terms of, yeah, love you, love you son, you're great, you love you, love you, love you, you're brilliant. It's kind of like, boom, do not. Just catches you off by a little literally like a red, bold red, bold prince or capitals kind of thing with a long, it's going off in the background. There's a, like, there's a real warning here, isn't there? And especially with it falling, following after talking to the sons, it almost feels like a kind of parental instruction, almost, doesn't it? In terms of that, that do not. And, and it's kind of quite, quite striking, really, the way that comes across. There's, there's clearly something that really bothers John about the love of the world because he's kind of just that's how it comes across to me when I'm reading it, really. So, so, so what is it that could be so concerned about love of the world? Um, and so hopefully that's something that we'll be able to expand and go through there this afternoon um, and, and really try and understand it. And so for, for me, when I was trying to understand it, I think the key comes in really understanding what is meant, first of all, by the term the world. And as I was reading through, I feel the term world here doesn't really refer to the physical, material world that we see around us. And what it's referring to is that kingdom, that realm that is in opposition to the will of God, and to the realm of sin. And that the, this won't, won't be your first time in a uh, church that has been told that there's a realm opposed to God, that there's a realm of sin. It's mentioned repeatedly, repeatedly in Scripture that there are things that we can't see that are working in our opposition to God. Um, Ephesians 6 expands this greatly, and it's there again and again through, through, through Scripture. But what I find interesting here is in verse 15, where John talks about the world, that realm of sin and, and, and that kingdom of sin, he makes a distinction in that he goes on to say the things in the world. So to me, I would just say, do not, do not love the world, don't wish, wash, wash. But actually, it's not as simple as that. He's made that there's something different about the things in the world compared to the world itself. And I think my, my understanding of why those things are different is that the, the things in the world are things that, are, that have been created by God, but have been corrupted by this realm of sin to become something that they're not. 
And I think that really for us as Christians, in a really practical way, understanding this distinction is actually really, really important. Um, because if we draw the two things apart in terms of the world and the things of the world, and ask ourselves the questions, is there something inherently wrong about um, the realm of sin and, uh, and the principalities and powers? The answer, quite clearly, is yes, okay? But is there something wrong about the things in the world, the things that God has created? The answer, for me, is, is no. And actually, I, I feel that that's something that Scripture shows. I mean, if, if I give an example for, for me, I'm hoping I'll be to understand. Um, I'm, I've done it for a or so, this is hard for me. And I'm pretty, like, I'm not as well travelled as I probably should be for someone at the age of 30, okay, in your But about, about 10 years ago, so yeah, a little bit longer than that now. And, uh, so, so I'm an artist, for those of you that don't know. So I was coming to the end of my name school, and you have to do um, what's called an, an elective, which is where you, where you go and work for a few weeks in another country, and where you, um, we work in a few weeks the country to kind of understand how medicine works in that particular country. Yeah, so you can be more, more well-rounded doctor and you understand um, how, how medicine works in other places. In reality, as anyone from medical school tell you, it's just a holiday for about two and a half months. Anyway, you want to go off and um, you can tell about me. Some people do, but for most of us, it's a holiday. So where, where I went to, I went to Guatemala and, uh, and Central America. And I had an amazing time. Uh, and um, <laughs> I did see some medicine for a couple of weeks, but I, I, more importantly, I had an amazing time with traffic. And, and I can vividly remember being kind of like cooped up on this, this rickety bus, really, really dangerous, no seatbelts, <laughs> and kind of just travelling through this, this valley, uh, this probably that like, really early in the morning. Um, and you kind of you couldn't see anything because of the trees. I was kind of petrified because the road is really narrow and you feel like you're about to fall off <laughs> at any given moment in time. But then all of a sudden, like, the trees just kind of work. And um, this leg, it's called Leg Acid Man in Guatemala. And so the trees break and you just see this lake. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Ever, ever seen. Um, the, you can really see where the sky ended and where the lake where the legs started, it just blended into these beautiful things. And so the shimmered across the lake. And I'm not, you know, a very, I'm not very much about it. I don't know much about nature. But I just thought, wow. Yeah. And it sticks with me. And is there some, when I think about that moment, not, is there something inherently, is that what I'm telling me not to love? I don't think so. God. God's put that there intentionally, that, that, that beauty in the world around us. And like I said, I, I'm sure, as, as for many of you in this room, you'll have moments like that with nature where you've looked around and you thought, wow, that is absolutely amazing. Who did this? There must be a God. And there's no regulations, it's just so beautiful. All of you will have moments like that. And if you haven't, then go on board with a bit of paper. And I'll show you. But there are. Like I said, God has done these things intentionally, not to, to tell us, not just as only as Christians, but everybody 
about how amazing he is. And, and the scripture tells us this, if we turn the article for a second, but Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above um, proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pour out, pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. Again, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And that's what I'm kind of hinting with my experience with that lake and with which lots of you have had, I'm sure, in nature. You look at the world around you, there is no excuse, there can only be a God, and that's how God has created it, created the world to be. And so, if the world that we see around us, the things that God's created are so beautiful, how can it be wrong? Why is God still warning us not to love the things of the world? Um, and for me, also, I'm going to borrow examples from how I understand things. So, <laughs> the clue for understanding this comes from a church father and also from football. So, there we go. I think our football team much really helps me. And I hope that my analogy makes sense. Okay? Um, so, for those of you who don't know, I've told you once I'm a boxer, so you get to know a bit more about me. I'm also a football fan. I'm not very good at football, and, but I'm good at watching football. And um, I, quite specifically, I'm a Manchester United fan. I'm 
my spreadsheet and I figure out how much I'm going to give you to spend all the time. But if you said pizza, the spreadsheet goes out the window, I'm just, just going to get pizza. Basically, because I love pizza. Um, but at the same time, I have to balance my love for pizza against um, my love for the show. Yeah, in a simple way, if I decide that I, <laughs> a really simple way, if I decide that I love pizza and decide, you know, actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go down and I'm just going to eat pizza, I'm, I'm compromising my love for Joe Pie because if I eat pizza every day, I'm going to see 40 in that way. And so if I don't see 40, I'm giving up my love for Joe and I'm placing that love for pizza over the world. And I'm a really simple guy, so I hope those simple analysis make sense. But my point is that if we if we get our loves hosting, and if we get the early prioritised wrongly, we do harm to the things that we love, and we do harm to ourselves. So it's really important that we get our loves in order. And it sounds really simple when I said when I said this, and I obviously mentioned how simple that I am. A football analogy of pizza analogy. Um, but it's actually really hard to do this, what I'm saying. Um, and I defy anybody in this room <laughs> to say that they successfully do this every day in terms of getting their loves in the right order and prioritizing things correctly. Luke chapter 10, verse 27 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. We don't set our love for God above all else. And none of us do what's stated there in Luke chapter 10 verse 27 consistently in the way that God intended for us to do. And we allow our love for the things around us to supersede our love for Him. And just like how in my Analogy, my love of pizza is with displacing my love for my wife. And I love the things in the world around us, displace the Father's love. And that's what is described in verses 15 and 16. Um, that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. So, I mean, as well as this being a slicing God, and all that He has done for us, for us to place the things in the world around us, over and above him. It does harm to us. It, it deprives us of the permanent joys that are found already in him, as expressed in verse 17, that abide forever. And we replace that, that, that forever with something that is dying in a way. Um, so, it's really important that we get our loves in the right order. And this concept of disordered loves and its consequences was first described by the church father, Augustine. He taught that our behaviours are shaped by our loves, and many of our virtues and also our sinful acts can really be boiled down to an issue of love. So, for example, uh, bravery, you could interpret as a, as a, a love neighbour over and above yourself. Um, uh, deception, lying, the love for our own self-interest over and above the truth. And I could go on. And I'm sure if you think about it more, you can probably think of a few analogies of about how things fall down to an issue of love ultimately. Um, 
and the innocent sin and uh, corruption and lack of love. Um, the human soul longs for happiness and a lack of happiness that we sadly see around us often comes from misplaced attempts to order the most within our life without God. It's as simple as that. And when you think about what we've read today, the things in this world are beautiful, but we can't love them if they're not in their place in their proper context. And the things in this world tell us about God, about how amazing He is, but if we don't give them reference in the right way and put them in their proper context, they're harmful for us. And this is one of the a quote from Augustine, and one of his most famous books, um, Confessions. The good that you love is from him, but it is good and pleasant through reference to him, and justly shall it be omitted, because unjustly is anything loved which is from him, if he would be forsaken for it. Which essentially means that it's not right to love anything and if he's been given up in order to love him and to love it. And like I said, it's, it's really easy for me to read these quotes. It's so hard to do. Um, but understanding this and changing our lives accordingly makes the world a difference when it comes to this. And let's appreciate the things of this world, but only in the context of directing us back to God, because that's what they're there for. There's a response to see the lakes, the trees, the, the animals, the people that we, that we love, that we've given to us. We're supposed to see them and, and think back to God and say, thank you, God. And think of the glorious God that we have that's made the world of us, made the things that we see. That's what they're there for. They're just made. They're only profoundly in reference to Him and not in and of themselves. Um, James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. The things of this world are passing away, like verse 17 says. Let's not become fixated on them, desiring those God sayings. Because God has given us something better. He's given us something that is going to last forever. That's what we've been celebrating here today. That's what we've been celebrating with the community. You see, we've been led by Rob. That's what we're celebrating, something that abides forever. Um, not something from the past, Let's avoid being booked on the private life. Um, I'm, I'm going to zero on pride a little bit here because it's the perfect example of a sin that stems from disordered love. In fact, it probably is the example um, when you think about scripture.
pride is different to other sins in that you always need somebody else um, to be able to fulfill that particular sin, if that makes sense. And you always have to be comparing yourself. So, in that, you know, when you're, when you're, if, you're, if we're proud, it's not because we are um, rich or because we are beautiful. It's always because we are rich uh, than somebody else. Or it's always because we are more beautiful than somebody else. Um, and that's the issue with pride, in that it is, you're always putting one person against another, one entity against another with this particular sin. And it creates enmity, is what Lewis points out. When we're proud of the things that we have, and the things that we've done, Look like, we said, when we order a love for ourselves over and above a love for God, what we're essentially doing is saying that we want to compete with God, we're putting ourselves in enmity with God when we are proud in that way. And that's not a position that any one of us wants to be in, but that is the consequence of growth. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, I'm not perfect. <laughs> um, and sadly, I, I can think of times in my life where I felt proud, being honest, um, and I felt proud almost to the point where I thought how, how, how much of what I have or what I've done is definitely down to God how much of it is because I think I've always been done with this is for everything else and I know that God's guided events in my life particularly you know, personally particularly in the last couple of years for me to learn the lesson really really about where I sit in the cosmic pecky um, God, God loves us, and, and like a good father, he's not afraid for us to learn lessons the hard way, for us to understand exactly who he is and who we are. Um, and Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son who he receives. And for me personally, in this way, I've learned to see clearly that the things that I have is my family, um, my possessions, whatever it is, they're all gifts from him. And I, being proud to me, thinking that anything that I have um, is from me, is foolishness. <laughs> And, and a real and true and proper understanding of this can lead us only to be thankful, to praise, and to worship Him. Um, and when I look now at the things that I have, my kids, my wife, I look at them now as an opportunity to thank and praise God. Not as something that, that I've pulled off on myself. Um, and that is what I hope that you 
existential pain yeah. from most of them, from what I have to say to them. Do not look at what other people do, do not look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let's understand that everything that we have, everything that we have is from Him. Let's not allow the pride of life to put us in opposition to God. Because, like that verse in Hebrews, like a naughty topper, and as you've seen this afternoon, I I know the things about naughty toppers, Um, but like a naughty topper, we can be sure that God will correct that behaviour. And He will perform us to to the image of His Son, that's what He's promised. and I think Graham brought up Romans chapter 8, verse 13 last week. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And thank God, that means even my own ignorance and pride, all the foolish things that I do on a daily basis, nothing can separate us from the love of God. for each one of us. But let's make things easier by grasping the lessons that he laid, that he laid out for us in Scripture. Let's humble ourselves and submit to him. Because when we do this, the joy and happiness that we clutch to fleetingly in this world that we look for in the things around us, they're found perfectly at their source. Come above. That's what Jesus said. Let's be humble, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's fall in first. That's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, all the things that we look and spend our time endlessly chasing around like a hamster on a wheel. Everything else will be unconceived. But more than what Jesus said is what he did. And Matthew chapter 4. The devil comes to tempt him and puts before him all the things, kingdoms of the world, all the things of the world. But what does he do? He resists and he says, Worship the Lord, which means put the Lord first and serve him rightly. That's how he resisted that temptation. And Jesus is the perfect example for us. And what he did in the context of humility is so important. Through his acts, we're able to see clearly how to avoid our most correctly. We have hope, and that's why we're here today, as I touched on already. If you tell me, please, to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 11. It's quite a long passage, but I'm going to read it all because I feel like it sums up everything that I've said today. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by 
take with the woman or seven, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, if humility was good enough for the Son of God, it's not going to be good enough for us. Um, especially as we think we are. He, this scripture lays out what Jesus Christ did for us. So we should do the same. He's the name above everyone. My name and yours. Let's give him his juice. Every name must bow. And the God, Son of God, the sacrifice himself for us. He doesn't deserve half our attention or sacrifice. Um, he deserves everything. He deserves a complete commitment. He deserves our life, our soul, our all, everything is what he deserves from us. Let's, let, let's, 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 for us. 